you looking to pursue excellence and take your success to the next level? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to Excellence Mindset with your host, Ryan James Miller. What up, everybody? All right, so uh, before we get started on today's episode of the podcast, I wanted to begin by saying thank you. Uh, it is crazy t- for me to think that I am about 18 months into this podcast, coming up on episode number 100 here pretty soon. And uh, as I do, I'm going to be making some really cool changes. I think some things that you're going to really appreciate are really that's a lot more consistent with the conversations I've been having on the podcast, the content that I've been producing offline uh, are in in other spaces like LinkedIn and YouTube and uh, Instagram. And so just be on the lookout for that. Episode 100 is where that will likely drop. Uh, In addition, I'm going to be doing some cool giveaways leading up to that. Also, the reason you're hearing this intro is because uh, the episode you're going to hear today uh, was actually the result of me being a guest on my friend uh, Colin Meaves and Cody Fairfield's uh, podcast, yet to be named, soon to be launched. Uh, I was invited on by them. Uh, We recorded this conversation around stress. Uh, emotional intelligence, self and social awareness, anxiety, uh, difficult conversations, leadership, just so many things, relationships. And it was a fantastic conversation. And so when we got done, I asked their permission to share this episode or to share that conversation with you guys on this podcast, uh, which they obliged. And that's why you are going to get to hear what you're about to hear. So go ahead and enjoy this episode of the Excellence Mindset Podcast and then be on the lookout uh, for call and Cody's podcast yet to be named soon to be launched that will be coming out soon. Thanks so much. Enjoy. So today um, on our podcast, we have our first guest. We still don't have a name on our podcast, but we have our first guest and we're going to go with that first. So I freaking love that you just said on our podcast and everyone's like, oh, our podcast. I know what that yeah, is. Yeah, right. Maybe that's our name. Perfect. It it's just happened podcast. to fall into our pants like that. But <laughs> we have our uh, first guest on the show, uh, Ryan Miller. Hello, Ryan. Hi, hi. And we are here to talk about stress. So we are going to just simply kind of keep that broad topic and then let the conversations kind of flow from there. Where do you guys want to start with this thing? Well, you know, I thought what would be kind of cool is to, uh, since Ryan has this business world or acumen of, of handling what seems like high stress situations, let's let's see kind of what, uh, how he defines stress, both personally and like maybe even in a business atmosphere. We're going to go to like definitions, like dictionary yeah. shit, yeah. right? Let, I let, see. Let's take a, a slight segue. Let's have Ryan introduce himself, yeah, actually. Let's, let's go ahead and Ryan, give us some well, background on yourself before. and how it can relate to this topic of stress, at least. Oh, that's fair. Uh, so let's see here. So, uh, yeah, said, uh, in the professional world. So I do coaching of high performing executives, uh, entrepreneurs, CEOs, salespeople, uh, and I do consulting for organizations of as small as three is my largest clients, about 1500 helping with business development and sales strategy, but it always becomes a people problem. Uh, host a podcast myself, got a business in the healthcare space. And uh, what don't you do? uh, I haven't figured that out yet. Uh, I don't lift really heavy weights. That's fair. I'm not strong enough for that. I don't do (laughs) 21 unbroken muscle ups like Mm. calling the superstar Meeves over here. Um, (laughs) I guess so. There's a lot of things I don't do. Uh, Yeah. So I guess that's what I do. A good summarization of of who you are, right? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I wish. Very cool. So let's let's go ahead and kind of go back to what Cody was talking about then and like 
give us some insight in your sphere of some different ways that you encounter stress. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's pretty interesting because if we think about stress, um, I, I think that most times we would associate that with some sort of pressure that's being put on us, mm -hmm. like something, some outside circumstance that is causing us to get outside of ourselves, to feel pressured. Um, and so that's kind of where I typically go. I don't even really know what the, what the dictionary would define stress to be. Um, I think what's fascinating is, is it's probably one of the things that we have uh, both the least and the most control over and uh, and yet it's typically so out of control yeah typically I, yeah. yeah and stress I, I think one thing that always I think when it comes to stress is it's often put in like a negative connotation right yeah and that instantly can shape your mind and what you think about a quote-unquote stressful situation mm -hmm. and then like can just lead you down this rabbit hole and you know like what what's some ways that like when you think of stress in that sense that you use to like cope with it or like how do you go about handling stress um so it's really easy to say that when i'm not dealing with it right um but something that you said was really interesting that um i i would speak to first which is um it has an extremely negative connotation and i think that's a big part of our problem um, because i feel like um, there are a lot of good stresses um uh, or things that can kind of cause that to us that that push us to do things that we otherwise wouldn't do right like we right. can all associate with the fact that like in the gym um when you're under stress right you you you're forced to put yourself into the best possible position in order to hold that load right or it may push us outside of ourselves so i think that like there's a lot of good things that can happen I feel like for me, so, you know, we had this conversation uh, earlier today uh, offline. And one of the things that I said is I think that uh, I've spent more time now than ever in this uh, like self-awareness space for myself to gain a better understanding for what's causing my stress and then how I can better react to it. Because again, right, like it's like it's coming from the outside. It, it, it is never like I don't think other than maybe some internal physical issue that's happening, mm -hmm. like even the chemical stuff that's happening is happening as the result of some outside effect. Right. Or and, perceived outside effect even. Didn't have to right. be real. Absolutely. Right. And that's that's even really big. Right. Like our perception of versus reality. Mm -hmm. And so I think that um, for me, it's having a lot better. Uh, better, better <laughs> mental um, uh, uh, and self-awareness has been a big, big factor in how I deal with it. So yeah, self-awareness is a pretty big word there. So like when you say like having that self-awareness, like what, what does that mean exactly? Like how do you view that in a sense? Yeah. Uh, so for me personally and where I coach people uh, on this idea is it's a complete understanding of who we are and therefore how we act and speak based upon who we are, right? right? So you have to, and this is this is the part I think that people miss the most. When we start talking about self-awareness, we start talking about, again, like how do I reflect? And uh, like, what are the tools? What are the processes? Right. But people miss the deep understanding for who you are. And like, let's get outside of like, pretend that 
like uh, where we came from was off the table still like what makes us tick what are we most passionate about i think what you're saying too kind of uh you're highlighting and and as you're kind of highlighting these things i'm seeing this picture in my head and and what i'm what i'm kind of drawn to as you're speaking about this is that I think a lot of stress is created as a perception of what is to come and that eliminates our ability to see what is now right yeah. so so as you talk about you know self-awareness right we're so concerned with something that's going to happen in the future that we forget about handling the things that we can handle in the moment mm-hmm. um, and so I know like from my own experience that you know the more that I can kind of and the using the phrase that you had you know the more I can be self-aware in that moment the yeah. more I'm able to handle more stress right because I can sit there and I can say okay the moment I have right now I can collect my thoughts put myself together okay I'm on good ground right now I can take that step forward into the stress a little more comfortably knowing I'm not falling apart heading into this right yeah um, and I think a, a okay lot wait, hold, of, hold on yes. so like uh, this is where like we can interrupt really well so I feel like that's a big challenge in what you said. So what you said was, is so I can be self-aware in the moment. Mm -hmm. I think that's part of the problem is we are trying to like, when we get into those stressful situations is when we try and become self-aware and when we work on those things. So again, like in the context of something that's way more external and much easier to identify, it's, um, I have worked on all my technique to snatch a 150 pound barbell. Right. So what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to throw 200 pounds on there and I'm just going to hope that, that I'm ready for it when it comes. Preparation is put in. And if the barbell moves, I'm going to move with it. Right? Like that's just not going to happen. Right. Right. And so I think that it it takes all of the work well ahead of time. I also think that like from a headspace perspective, right? Like when things are good, it is typically when we're not thinking about self-work, but when things are good, it's the best time that we have with the mindset that we're right. dealing with, heart situation, even external factors. Like that's when we should be doing all the self-work. It's like that way when the shit hits the fan, we're ready for it, right? right? It's being prepared yeah. for battle, not being prepared once we get into battle. 100%. Exactly. Like you you can't wait for a certain event to – I mean sometimes this happens though to spark it. But like yeah. your personal development, like to understand – like how you're going to react to these situations and prepare yourself like you're saying is like to develop yourself in a sense right like you have to be you have to have these situations in mind but sometimes it takes a stressful situation for someone to be sparked to go in that direction but then they they then learn the idea of the preparation and development that next time a situation like that comes up that they're you know, for lack of better words, so well prepared and handle it so much better in that sense too. And I think that's the two parts of stress, right? So you, we've hit that obviously you need to put the work in beforehand because you can't adapt on the spot to handling that stress if you haven't put the work in. So like you had mentioned, you can't snatch the 190 barbell or the 200 pound barbell if you haven't put the work in to hit the numbers below that. Yep. Right. But the other side of it is, is if you get to that point where you find yourself handling stress, what do you do with that after the fact, after everything's have com- after things have calmed down to create a less stressful situation should that situation arise again? Yeah. Right. Um, so I think that's that's kind of an interesting dynamic that we've hit on is that there are two pieces to this, and it's not to say that if you find yourself under stress or under duress in the sense that you feel unprepared to get through it, but it's now how do I take that second step? in preparing for the next time that I encounter something similar or even something novel, but now I can rely upon the information that I've gained from the first experience and apply that to the second. Well, yeah. And and again, like, yes, there are going to be circumstances that we don't prepare for, right? Like national tragedy, the loss of a loved one, 
Um, like those things, like even though they're like in the back of our mind at this point, it's not things that we think about. But uh, uh, so a practice that I did for a while was a five minute journal and I haven't done it in a long time. Mm-hmm. What's super helpful there is um, every morning you were part of what you were journaling was what could, what, what challenges stood in my way that day. And so I think that if we take that out farther, like for me, right? So I have a wife, I have two kids that I love dearly. Like I would literally die for my wife. She is such a huge part of my world. Well, what if she died? What, would I just, would I die too? Yeah. You know, like, and so I, like, you don't want to think about those things, but I think that there's wisdom in considering like, then what? Right. Like what happens next? And again, like we don't want to think about the challenges because we're so afraid of them for the wrong reasons. Like Ryan Holiday's The Obstacle is the Way. It's Mm -hmm. like that is like they're coming and Mm -hmm. there's purpose in them. And so instead of figuring out how we're going to avoid them for the rest of our lives, let's prepare ourselves when and if they do happen so we can reduce back to what we started with. Like so we can we can reduce the potential for stress in the first place. I think that's a big thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I think one thing that personally speaking that I, I remember I, I had also done the five minute journal and I think it helped to put more of a positive light onto those stressors in your life, you know, like the challenges, stuff that you're journaling about. Yep. Um, but at the same time, like one thing that I've do- adopted and has worked really well in terms of growth and handling stress was taking like good or bad descriptors away from stress. Like, you know, putting, oh, this is bad stress, you're gonna talk negatively about it. And then if it's good stress, like you're only gonna have the positive words, like kind of taking out those descriptors and just looking at it in a sense of like, that's the situation that you're in, now let's stay here and figure out what that plan of action is. Instead of being like, oh, this is good or this is bad, you just gotta handle it as it is and kind of see it as such. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think again, like so much wisdom in that and, what's interesting is so like you know that works for you right i think that so when i'm coaching people and so i have it i see more so so high performing individuals they have a tendency to be hypercritical of themselves Mm -hmm. in really stupid things right uh yeah they are really stupid things (laughs) like we we, we take the smallest things that we're so critical of ourselves in and so for them more often than not as i'm helping them to prepare i'm helping them to prepare for being critical of themselves, mm-hmm. right? Whereas other people that are just unaware of their self, I'm helping them to be um, aware and prepare for being overly positive, right? right? Not not having reality to the situations. So again, I think it's so important that we, and we needed some objectivity to the to like people around us speaking into us so they can see that too. But we need to understand our own tendencies mm-hmm. before we can even begin to lay that plan out. Right. Right. Because right. like someone will hear you uh, say what you said, which again so smart and like so wise in what you said. But they're like, oh well, I I, I want to be like that guy, and so I'm going to do those same things. And so right. I'm just going to say they're all neutral stressors, and I'm just going to deal with them as such. Well. If I have a really negative view of myself and then the outside circumstance that comes in somehow challenges my value, my Mm -hmm. worth, my integrity, Mm -hmm. my judgment, whatever, my looks, then I'm crushed because I can't neutralize those things, right? right? It it sounds good, but I can't. Well, it's almost like your neutral is negative already because that's your base. That's what you understand, right? right? So absolutely. And I think what's, what's extremely difficult with stress is that we could all be in the same room and under the same exact duress and we're all going to respond differently. 
And so right. then to have somebody come in and say, Hey, like I'm super stressed out and I need somebody to help me. Well, they come in here and be like, okay, well, you know, Colin, Ryan and Cody are all having the same stress. Well, I should be able to adapt this problem the same way for all three, which is totally not true because like you had mentioned, you know, yep. people have different, different areas of which they're self-critical or different areas of where they feel most vulnerable. Um, and then having to dissect that it does. And this is kind of touching back to your self-awareness idea, right? There's, it's almost impossible for you to step out of that area without knowing what, where inside that space you fall. And so I think this is where like our role as coaches and Colin and I being in more of a, a fitness realm and you being both in, in a fitness realm to some extent, but as well as in your business, especially that understanding and being able to identify things in people where they can't identify things of their own. Yeah. Um, that's kind of a big key in our job the moment somebody walks in the door, yep. right? Because it changes the way that you discuss anything with them, yeah. right? And, yeah. and how you discuss anything with them. The people who come in who are upbeat and positive all the time, you need to be, be careful not to break the reality so far that they feel crushed by it. Right. You know, the people who come in who are high performers, you have to be careful when you coach them because otherwise they'll push away from you, right. not wanting to be coached because they've gotten here so far, yep. right? And they're willing to just kind of push everything aside because they, they feel as if, well, you know, I got here on my own. I don't really need anybody to help me get anywhere else. Yeah. Um, you Sorry, not to interject. Yeah, no, this thought just came to my mind is is you know reading the book uh, emotional intelligence mm -hmm. is there's the concept of not just having self awareness but social awareness. You yes, know, I think that yes. the point that he's touching on as a coach is like it's and you relate in the same sense is like it's a it's a relationship mm -hmm. more than anything else is mm -hmm. that you're in the business of relationships and in our sense of like helping an athlete who you know may be a little more sensitive in the way that you talk to them about correcting a mistake yep. or a movement fault that they're doing versus someone that's a little bit more hard nose and can kind of take a little rough and tough language. Like you have to have awareness of those situations and your ability to handle them mm -hmm. as well. And that's yep. another awareness, but social awareness. Well, okay. So, and even in that, right, nobody is there with the ultimate goal right. to lift weight or to do a ring muscle up or to whatever, like, right. that's not the ultimate goal. That goal is a means to an end. Right. It's a means to accomplishment. It's a means to add value to my life. It's a means to make me feel better. It's a means to like, even when I set my own um, uh, focus around that identity of athlete, which I call myself that, and it's defined differently than other people would. But you know, I say that my first focus is for health, mm -hmm. then improvement, then achievement. And again, being self-aware, I know that my default is to go immediately to achievement. And so in order to correct that, to get myself in the right headspace, I had to force myself to say, I'm first here to get and stay healthy. Right. Like it's gotta be that. And so if I'm in the gym, even on a morning like this morning where I didn't love necessarily what we were doing and like I had to just be there in the mindset of I'm not failing because I'm not pushing to my nth degree. Right. right I'm right. still accomplishing my my desire to stay healthy. Right. And actually I, I in some sense like I'm mentally achieving because I didn't just walk away. Uh and I did improve, right? Like right. I, I walked out of there more fit than I came in. So again, I think it's so helpful that when you get to, when you're talking, Cody, about um, you know, looking at people and and seeing where they're at, you know, it's helping them to understand, or, or it's helping them to to get to where they want to go, even uh, though that's kind of like their means to an end. Right. right? Um, and and I think you kind of touched on something else too that that again makes this a little more difficult is how fluid the processes within yourself 
of what stresses you out or what your goals are yeah. change. You had mentioned that, you know, you have this priority of health and fitness when you're in the gym, but every once in a while you'll catch yourself going, no athlete performance, athlete no, performance. All the time. Right. But, but how all crazy is that? Like you go in with this process and for whatever reason, your brain wanders off into the dark corner and then you're like athlete performance and you start self comparing, you start, you yeah. know, looking at everything else going on in the gym. And this isn't just in a gym atmosphere. Like I, I mean, I can catch myself driving where I'm like, I got to get there faster than this guy for no reason. Like my right. brain just decides that it's going to go do this <laughs> thing. And then all of a sudden you're like, I'm stressed out for no reason. Cause I had to race this guy that had yeah. no idea he was in a race with me. Well, right, I mean, to think get about to one place that was really dumb. Think about this one. Like you're not set out calling to be an asshole to your wife or Cody to be an asshole to your fiance, but you are like, you didn't intend to do that. Right. right? And so again, like, so it's so helpful though, for us to go back to like, okay, so who do I want to be? Right. So again, like when I'm coaching in this process, it's so important for me to help people understand first, I, I want them to verbalize who do you want to be? Mm-hmm. Not the king of the world, not the CEO, realistic. not, not what, well, whether it's realistic right. or not, I actually don't even care about that stuff. I'm talking about characteristics. Like who right. do you want to be known as, right? What do you want to be known for? So like for me, it's authenticity, value, generosity, and gratitude. Like those are the high performance. Like those are the things I want to be known by because here's what's so helpful then. When you uh, externalize those things and communicate those things to other people and you give people permission in safe space to give you feedback, then Mm -hmm. again, like when you gave the example of the car thing, it triggered me. I use this one a lot in corporate workshops. I'm like, okay, so you say you want to be a good person, right? And everyone's like, absolutely. And so then when you drive to work and you flip somebody off for cutting you off, (laughs) is that... The, is that an action of a good person? Well, absolutely not. Okay, and so and so I'm like, okay, so just take that and retrace yeah. that. What caused you to do that? Like, were you angry that someone got the better of you or that they got in front of you or it made you late? Like, what could you have done to prevent that? Right. And it sounds so simple and so silly, but these are the things, the small bits of self-work, once we understand that foundation, that they will help us to become forget like the self-awareness part, which is so huge, but they will help us to become the person that we desire to be more than anything else. Totally. I, I, and I think that's, that's an amazing. And I think the way Thank that you, you. described that, yeah, you were amazing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> right. After you're you told amazing. me I was an asshole to my, my fiance, oh, now I'm going to tell you you're amazing. I think right? he's making a move on you. I know, it's, I'm still across the table. <laughs> it's that bachelor thing. Yeah, it must be. <laughs> um, but, but the way that you described that, I thought was, it was, it was digestible, right? In the sense that like, uh, we we tell ourselves so many things throughout the day about who we are, right? Yeah. And and we're willing to sit there and say, I I am this. This is what I represent. But there are people who may reflect upon our actions and the things we do, and they're like, that doesn't add up, yeah. right? How many people do you know who describe themselves as somebody who is a bad person? Nobody. Yeah. But how many people do you know that create bad action after bad action, bad after bad action, maybe not even consciously, yep. but when you call them out on, on those things, they, they externalize the, the consequence, right? Yeah. They try to push it off. Um, and what that leads to is, is enough, di- uh, what's the word I want to use? Enough um, discretion between you and the people around you. And we talked about this last week when we talked about relationships and that if you surround yourself with enough people in that way, you'll find yourself kind of starting to do the same and yeah. uh, almost self-manipulation of who you're trying to be or, or what you're trying to externalize to the world as a protection mechanism to not really be vulnerable to the places where you may need work because you feel it's more important to project something than it is to actually uh, self-reflect and change. Yeah, yep. 
man, like I, sorry, like so many things are running <laughs> through my head. I'm like, I'm deciding which way I would like to go with it. But I think one thing that stuck out to me in, in the last couple minutes is like how much of stress is like self-inflicted stress, um, by people, um, maybe because like they, they do something, but it's not in relation to like who they are yeah. and like they, they can totally eliminate most of the stress mm-hmm. in their life by just understanding what their principles or values that they're living by are and having those actions follow up with that and like how much that would eliminate so much stress in people's life. Oh, I mean, so I used to work for the CEO, the CEO. He was one of the kindest, most generous giving like he would have given his any one of his employees any amount of money necessary for them to like meet their needs like he was always first to give like it was unbelievable how kind this man was and yet he would get into situations where he would say some of the most cutting things to people by his choice of words and he couldn't see it and so finally one time i was like hey I heard you say this. And he's like, I didn't say that. I'm like, no, no, no. You you actually said that. And so it is, I think you're right. Like, we don't intend mm-hmm. for the negative. Like mm-hmm. rarely, right? Rarely. I mean, I'm sure there's times when we're angry and we do intend to cut somebody and that's just a, a, a bad characteristic that we're trying to work on. But when we're intending to do good and be good, I think so often, again, as the audience or people that are on the outside looking in at us, I think that we need to do a better job with the people that we're in close relationships with of going to you and saying like, dude, you told me that you want to be a good person or you, you, you really want to be like the leader in your home and love your wife. But I just saw the way that you, that you treated your wife. Like that, that's, that doesn't align with that, man. Like, you know, what is that? And then right. it allows you, I'm, I don't want to attack you. I don't want to hurt you. You've got to be willing to take that kind of feedback. But again, like you want to quote unquote perform at a high level. You want to excel mastery, excellence. Like you've got to be willing to take that feedback. Right. No, absolutely agreed. And I, I think that's something that for myself, especially as of, you know, last seven, eight months being married, like how much like I want myself to be a good husband and I do small things here and there, whether I'm in a disagreement with Julia and, you know, I don't handle it in the way that I would like to. And I have to reflect back on the fact that like, it doesn't align with what I'm trying to live out as like a value. Mm-hmm. And like, if that's a stress that I can say from our relationship or from me yep. from feeling bad about it, is like being aware of that more and changing my actions to then fit in line with the values, like eliminates a ton of different, totally. you know, feelings where like that carries over into this thing. And it's just like a trickle effect from there. I, that was just the first thing that came to mind when you were kind of talking about that right there, at least. I think the most interesting side of that too, is that it's funny how the people closest to you sometimes are the ones you hear the least, right? Like, I mean, or I, you I hurt the most too, or, well, you, you know, them, like you, you physically well, hear them the most. No, hurt, hurt them the oh, most hurt too. Yes, you know, definitely. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And, but I mean, even, even then you do physically hear them. Like you're legitimately hearing the words they say on a daily basis, but you're not actually intaking what they say because it's too close to you. Right. You feel like, Oh, well this, you know, we spend all this time together or whatever, the, whatever yeah. you've built in your head that you're just like, I get that you're frustrated with me, but I'm not really going to take that to heart because we spend all this time or because, you know, there's got to be some grace in the sense that we're not the same person and we're expected to live in the same house type thing. Okay. Wait. So, so when you said that first thing, um, and then you paused and kind of like restated it, I actually really liked where you were going there, which was, I actually don't think we hear 
the right feedback all the time from the people that are closest to us. Like, oh, agreed. Colin, you read oh, yeah. Talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. Like he talks about this like in relation to Hitler and a couple of other people, but he's right. like those closest to him didn't see him as an evil human being. Right. Yet those that were far, far outside, they could see clearly. And so I think what has happened in relationships a lot of times is for fear of being hurtful mm -hmm. um, for fear of tearing somebody down or just the desire to love and care for people. We don't want to give them feedback that is anything other than positive. Right. And so we're not hearing like, I mean, I'm super thankful for my wife. She, she tells me a lot, but I if I gain five pounds, <laughs> she wouldn't tell me, she right. wouldn't say like, Hey, you, you put on a little bit of weight. Like that's just like one of those quote unquote untouchable things. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think that there are things that again, it's super helpful to find people that are, that love us enough. Not that my wife doesn't love me enough, but love us enough to be objective in areas where we need it most. Right. right? Because we have those blind spots. When I think that was kind of our original intent in creating this space for us to have these conversations, right? Is that not that, uh, we, we don't have a, a way outside of our podcast to do this, but to open a door and just be like, hey, we're going to talk about subjects and things that we deal with in our daily life right. that we're having more private conversations about between us, between us and our significant others, right? Um, but it's an open door to other people to be like, hey, like it's not that big of a deal to just talk about these things openly right. and have these discussions and then to bring somebody else like Ryan in and, and you know be willing again to have those discussions because... Uh, what, what some people may not know who are listening to this is that, you know, Ryan is a close friend for both of us and he's, he's been both extremely supportive of us, but also extremely critical of behaviors that we need to change or behaviors mm -hmm. that, that may be causing stress in our lives. Right. And, and because of the relationships we've built with him, that's been possible. Um, and even as we're kind of on the subject of not hearing those closest to us in that sense that he's served a role that's allow us to hear voices that have been, have been coming in our direction but that we may not have been paying enough attention to for whatever that reason may be because you're external to the emotion that's attached inside of that relationship. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you've done it for me and like, and I don't actually think I brought this up, but ever before, but I said something off color in the gym one morning. I offended a woman in the gym one morning really badly. Um, afterwards, I went and apologized. Mm -hmm. It didn't work out. And I thought I said one thing, but actually I took it even a step farther than I should have and didn't realize it. And you said something to me that was just honestly telling me what you actually heard me say. You could have just agreed with me and it, it, and it would have been what it was. But then I was like, holy smokes, like not only do I know that I offended somebody, but I actually like double did it because I, I said something really mean. Right. And so mm -hmm. again, I think it's helpful that like, and because you said it to me, which is really important, like I will always listen. I'm right. not going to like it. Right. And I think that's the other really important right. thing because it's like, if I, if, if I, if, if I'm willing to hear what you say, and this even goes back to our idea of stress and like controllable and not like if, if I know that I'm going to be getting feedback from somebody and we're in a relationship and I'm willing to hear it. And then you, and as long as I understand that I'm going to deal with it in the best way possible because you love me, then that will reduce my level of like that, that stressful feeling, that anxiety and anxiousness of like, oh my gosh, so now that person hates me because they said those things to me. And now like, now what am I going to do? And now I need to watch everything I say around them, right? Like we, we tell ourselves all these stories, whereas if we would have just understood up front again in those good moments, like, no, no, no. Cody, Colin, you're out for my best. You're going to give me feedback when you see it. And I may not love it in the moment, but I'm going to deal with it mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I know that it's right. And 
I may still disagree with you. You right. may say something to me and you're like, hey, you shouldn't have said it or done it that way. And I'm like, okay, thank you. I, and, and now I understand the way you heard that, but I'm not sorry. Yep. Right. I don't want to be a jerk about that, but you know, I, yeah. think, I think there's just so much <laughs> that we can do there that we don't. Yeah. I think a, a word that keeps on popping in my head as we're kind of going over these instances, is like having a certain level of like vulnerability is yeah. like, it, it, it's, it's a almost, I don't want to say mandatory, but it's definitely a necessity yeah. to de-stress your life in a sense. And yeah. in this specific instance, like having a level of vulnerability of knowing that, you know what, this person is telling me this and I was completely out of line, you know, or, you know, they're, they're telling me this, I don't really agree with them, but I'm going to go ahead and still be, you know, uh, understanding that they're trying to reach out with a good intention and both are a different type of vulnerability, but yep. it, it is needed. It is yep. a necessity. And, and, and for all of us in different contexts, right. But like you put yourself up in front of a group of people as a coach or as a leader, um, I do this like every time I step into the pulpit to preach or to get up and speak, like I try as often as possible to properly articulate the things that I want to say and, you know, explain if I say something to try and qualify my statement, but you can't do that all the time. So I no. also need to take responsibility for what I say and understand that there's going to be times that human nature is going to get the best of me and i'm going to say something that's going to hurt somebody and i need to be willing to eat it really quick right so it's like you know some people say well you know i i don't uh, i don't deserve that kind of feedback right like if you choose to put yourself out in any sort of public environment like podcast is another great one like you have just given people permission to give you feedback now there's assholes mm -hmm. that are just going to give you really bad feedback for the sake of bad <clears throat> feedback right. but you just need to be willing and ready for it. And, and, and I don't think enough people are, they're like, how dare you? And I'm like, right. no, 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 you said it out loud. Like right. you deserve it. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I think that touches on another thing, another key point that relates back into stress is that like, not everything is the end of the world, right? That not every critic critique, not every comment, not every situation is a, is a direct reflection of who you are. Right. We are fallible by nature, so therefore we should expect to fail once in a while, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and not – I talk about the word uh, consequence or fault as being this neutral phrase, right? Everybody assigns fault this negative connotation. Fault is just the consequence of an action, yeah. right? Fault can be positive. Fault can be negative. It could be your fault that we won the game. It could be your fault that we lost the game. Right. Everybody takes critique as a constant negative. Yeah, and I think that kind of what you're trying, what you what you are articulating, not what you're trying, but you are articulating, is that we need to accept the fault of whatever the action that was created by our words yeah. or by by our actions directly, right? Yeah. So, for instance, in the in the example you were giving, that in in the pulpit, if you don't articulate something properly, that was your fault. Yeah, and yeah. just to re-explain it is. Is super simple as a coach if i'm up and if i'm up in front of the you know the gym and i partake in some of the the slapping around that goes around and maybe i i give an off-color joke i have to accept the responsibility it doesn't mean that i was intending to offend somebody but it just meant that i had a moment of of a small lapse that allowed me to be less than professional in the in the role that i am playing inside of that facility yeah right um but again that doesn't mean that i can't rebound in the same minute correct the situation and then move forward yeah right and i think that needs to be addressed more often too in the sense that like hey like we need to be okay one accepting the critique but two we need to be okay talking to people in a manner of hey like that that maybe didn't come off the way you meant it to be reflective of it but be okay confronting people about that kind of thing too because otherwise people do go throughout their day and they have no idea 
sometimes that they've created this action or that people interpreted things that way because we don't talk to each other about those things because like you said most of the time out of either love out of lack of wanting for conflict uh, or out of just the the want to gossip and talk away from the situation without consequence yep. right people avoid that direct conflict when you can squash something in the moment versus letting it drag out and become a bigger issue yep yep man my mind just stirs a million miles a minute, like, trying to figure out what if I want to say next. You guys can see Colin. There's a, well, the camera is behind him, but his if you looked over, he's got like this big old smile on his face, and his eyes are wide open, and we're standing here waiting for the next thought to come out. Yeah, I don't know. I just get super excited talking about this stuff, and like my mind goes everywhere, but it's like, um, man. I like I, I, I lost my train <laughs> of thought now. It all went out the window. So – so I, I I think that's like right. This goes back to there. So something that you said, Colin, earlier that I think is super helpful for us to like at least speak to as we're talking about all this is this idea of vulnerability. And so we we put ultimatums on our vulnerability, right? So like I yes. am only going to be as vulnerable as you're going to be, Condition. not right. as you let me. But as you're going to be. Right. And so like this was another thing that I made a huge effort for last year that I have doubled down on this year is this idea of authenticity. And so I decided that now there are still some contexts that you have to protect a little bit more than others. Right. So there, there's some there's some uh, uh, guardrails to put up. But I just felt like if I'm going to preach this idea of being myself and you should, too, then I'm going to be myself. And when I'm having a really bad day, I'm going to let it be known. And when I'm having a good day, I'm going to let it be known. And when I'm stepping through the challenges of life, I'm going to let it be known. And what's been so interesting for me is I didn't put conditions on my audience, right? I didn't mm -hmm. say like, okay, so I'm about to be really authentic. So I'm going to expect it back from you or I'm going to be really authentic. So be really nice to me. But what's happened is, and it's taken 15, 14 months to do this, I get more people thanking me, first of all, for just being myself. And there's some ugly things that I share. But not only that, but thanking me, which always sounds so silly to me, but like thanking me for giving them the permission to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. right. And it's like, gosh, like <clears throat> we need so much more of that, right? Like we talk about leadership. We talk about like stepping up and having influence. Do it. Like right. And right. one of the best ways you can lead is through being vulnerable. It's being humble. It's being, you know, just it's just letting yourself fly. Like everybody needs to know. Like it's really easy to see that, like, oh, that guy, he's pretty successful and he does well. I'm like, dude, I had a freaking meltdown three weeks ago. You know? <laughs> right, right, right. And like my marriage almost fell apart four years in. Like when they look at my marriage now, I mean, it'll be 19 years this next week. And they're wow. like, wow, it's amazing, right? Like we don't argue or very rarely, like things are really good. But I almost got a divorce, right? Yeah. Like I, 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 like I had thoughts of cheating on my wife running through my head. Like, that's a shameful, shameful statement to make. Oh yeah, nobody wants not, to admit that. No, right? and I'm not saying that because I'm 15 years removed from that and I didn't do it. It's because I want people to know that, like, that's what life is like, right? Mm -hmm. And and I'm not, and I don't even think I'm that amazing of a person anyway. But like, I'm not like all put together, like. There's a lot of shit that goes on inside my head. And so I, I need people to know that. Like as a pastor, when people find that out, they're like, oh gosh, like whole protected class. 
And I'm like, no, like I want to hold myself in higher regard for a lot of reasons, but I'm still a human being and I'm still going to screw up. And I need you to know that. Mm -hmm. And so the more that I've done that, the more that that's helped strangers, it's helped my kids. Like my kids feel a little bit more, right? They're still growing and going through this, but they can be more like themselves. My wife, like this poor woman, right? Like she's been overshadowed by my loud mouth forever. So she has a hard time being herself. <laughs> right. She's a woman in a society that has continued to put down pressure on self-image mm-hmm. and self-worth. And so she's fighting that. She's quiet and it has challenge in that too. And so it's like she has everything going against her. But yet, as I've continued to put myself out there, she has too. Mm-hmm. And so it's like it's lifting everybody up. And so I just think that we can be so much more vulnerable back to what you said yeah. of ourselves. It's going to hurt. Like that people are going to really crap on you. Like it's just going to happen, but I think it's worth it. Absolutely. I think you have to attest to your weaknesses, your deficiencies and stuff like that, because it takes like this barrier down where people start to feel like, oh shit, this guy is someone I look up to, but he feels and thinks the same things as me sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? And I think, that's the idea of like de-stressing a situation or de-stressing people can yeah. and can be in a sense of just simply like telling them like hey it's a sense of empathy too where yes. you're now able to connect in the sense that like they know you've been through this you can say like hey I've, I've been there like i understand what you're going through and like you have this ability to connect with them now that's like on an unprecedented unprecedented level mm-hmm. and it never would have happened unless you talked about your right. shortcomings yeah. your weaknesses and stuff like that do you, I, I have my own opinion on this. Do you feel like from this side of the coin, the way you're describing this now, that you being authentic to other people, do you feel like people immediately could recognize that? Like when they, when you walk into a room, the moment you start talking, do you feel like that is something that people can identify you versus somebody else who comes into a room? Um, I, so I wish I could say yes, right out of the gate. I think no matter what, it takes time because people have been lied mm-hmm. to for so right. long. Um, so like I, I shared with you guys, like I'm, I'm in the midst of this debate on LinkedIn right now, right? Where this woman's like accusing me of like attacking her mm-hmm. and I'm not. Mm-hmm. And if she knew me, she would know that that's not my character or right. nature. And I didn't have a slip, like I really didn't. And so I would hope, right, that people are like that, but I don't think that's the case. What I, what I do know is, is that I think that People are a reasonably good judge of character in general, right? They can they right. can kind of figure people out. Mm-hmm. And so as you begin to speak in the way that you communicate the things that are most important to you, I think that helps. And I think that people see consistency right. too, right? So it's like yes. you know, family, yes. friendships, in the gym, in the professional world. They're like, oh, I kind of see like all these things. That was actually one of the reasons why about four years ago I went public across all my social media profiles. Anybody can connect, follow, see, because what I wanted to show was like at that time it was Facebook. Now it's Instagram, but like in my personal domain of my life, sharing family stuff and then LinkedIn, my professional one, I say the same things. They may be in a different context, but now I've started even like crossing up some of like the content and like my most viral post on LinkedIn last year was like 300,000 views and it was on my 18 year old kid quitting water or yeah, quitting water polo. Right. And so people appreciated that. And so I think that people see consistency. I think it takes time. And I think it's important for us um, to not expect that people are going to know us for who we are until right. we give them a chance to know us for who we are. 
when I think that that's why I asked the question yeah. uh, is because I think the one as as you get better at being more authentic or you start to not better that's that's the wrong phrase as you get better at realigning your life with the moral character with with the ideas that represent who you are I think for you to other people it becomes a little bit easier to gauge who who among you have have a similar outlook and are trying to align their lives in the same way um, but I also think that it gives you a better radar to be able to walk into a room and identify the people whose time, who, who your time is worth spending on, right? I think, and it may not be this innate, like I can identify this specific thing. But the thing that I've noticed is, as I've tried to put a ton of work into myself is I have identified the people closest to me who, who value the journey that I'm on because they're on a similar one. Um, I, I can fairly well identify people who, even in the gym, who resonate to that thing a little bit better, even yeah. though they may not know what they're resonating to. There, there's something about that relationship or that connection that is hitting something different than others do. Um, but even with, uh, as a coach, and not, not from me coach down to athlete, but as an athlete who's looked up to coaches, I would say that is something that now looking back in the conversation we had about coaching previously, like those relationships are the ones that most made the most impact because I saw something in them that was just more honest. It was more easy. It was more digestible to me for a reason that I didn't realize until obviously now where we're able to articulate these ideas. Um, so I just think I'm that's like a kind super of sadistic. So I go after the hardest ones. It's so, it's so interesting. Like, <clears throat> so I'm trying to constantly and not for myself, I'm trying to constantly prove to people that are so anti the things I think mm -hmm. that not to convince them to come to my side, but to convince them that we can get along all the Be while being complete opposition to each other. And it's been really hard uh, again, like, you know, my, uh, so when I'm teaching these uh, workshops and I'm giving keynotes and I share with them uh, these uh, domains that I'm called to in life, I always preface it with like, okay, what I'm about to say is going to offend about half of you right now, but I'm okay saying it. And then my first identity trait is a Christian. Mm -hmm. And I know that polarizes people, but the more that people get to know me, the more that people realize like, of course, I want you to believe what I believe because I feel like it's eternally important. But at the same time, like we can get along, we can do life together. We can share in the same goals and visions and values. Like there's so much that we can do. And yet most people would look at that and say like, oh gosh, you, you don't believe what I believe? You don't think like I think? You don't share the same vision and values? Like I'm in. Right. And, and, and it's really hard because I right. used to be black and white and it was like my way or no way. Right. And what I've learned over time is, is we need more people being willing to bridge the gap um, instead of creating and causing more stress, right. frustration, anger, uh, that we have today. Yeah, I think that you know what's something that's super like interesting about talking about that is like people take the easy road too often. Is that like mm -hmm. going back to this whole idea of stress? Like they're not stressing themselves enough. You know, what I mean, yeah, it's like yeah. they're they're not they're not trying to participate in challenging conversations, difficult conversations that are going to be with somebody that is disagreeing with them they just avoid that and there's like this world i mean everyone jokes it's 2020 like you can't be hard on anybody but that's as a result of ourselves and yeah. not putting ourselves in a situation to have a tough conversation or associate ourselves ourselves with somebody like you said that shares the complete opposite type of viewpoints that we share yeah. is that you just try to align yourself and there's a certain extent in a time and place where it is good to align yourself with people 
that have similar values yes. as you yes. because they're the people that are going to make you the strongest Support at where you're at. But at the same time, you can't neglect the opposite end of the yes. equation and you can't completely just take out of your life people that right. are not in congruence with you. So, so you said something earlier, Colin, that I thought was like super, it just it triggered something in my head. Like think about athletics. I don't, I don't care what sport you take. Mm-hmm. Who do you want to, who do you want to have the ball or be at the plate? in the highest stress situation, mm-hmm. the person that can handle it the best. Right. 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 Like those are the people that get paid the most money. Like that's, what's so fascinating to me. Yeah. Again, like <laughs> we, we downplay, like keep yourself out of stressful situations. And again, we do want to do our best to like have stress avoidance, right. right? There's a lot of ways that we can do it. But I think that like in these highly tense situations, um, I think that um, there is such an opportunity for the best to show up and do well. And so we need to change the narrative again around like, dude, like if, if it's game seven of the NBA championships, if we ever get back to playing basketball, like I want the ball in LeBron's hand. Right. Or if it's a game seven of the world series and, you know, and, and we're going to put somebody to the plate, I want Mike Trout at the plate, mm-hmm. right? Like golf, hockey, like it's like, it's apparent in sports. It's absolutely right. apparent. Like the best players are the ones that get into the stressful situation and, it slows and down. perform. Yep. They don't do away with the stress. They don't, right. they're not like, Hey, Hey, okay, let's you, you get out of my way. You yeah. go over here. They're like, no, 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 no. Throw me a fastball. Yeah. Give me the ball. Right. In right. The, doesn't in the, matter what's in the height way. of stress. It's like, you just got paid a significant amount of money to do well in the midst of that. Like mm-hmm. we should try and image that and reflect that yep. in our personal lives. So looking at that, and I, first I want to make sure we're good on time for both of you guys. Cause I, we were uh, about I'm, 47 minutes in, but what I'm, I'm going to say, I think might send us off a, a little <laughs> bit of another 10, 15 minute rant here. So are we good there where everybody, we're good. Yeah, okay. We're just good. making sure. So I talked for days. Uh, when we're looking at this lack of stress, and we had mentioned that, you know, people are told, hey, hey avoid stressful situations if you can. Parents take their kids actively away from stress as much as they can, so right? Yep. We, we, we are told not to challenge kids in certain ways. We're cha- told not to challenge adults in certain ways, right? You can't, you can't uh, leave an honest opinion on an, a LinkedIn profile because people take that as mean. This yeah. person who has a PhD in something else thinks you're mean because you commented an opinion about something they said, right? Right. Looking at what's happening today with, with, and we'll finally touch it. It was kind of hit mentioned earlier, but with this coronavirus thing and this, this truthful pandemic that is happening in terms of there is an infectious disease that is spreading at a rate that nobody quite understands. There's a consequence to that. that Nobody quite understands. There's a fear generated around this idea that we are not quite as control or we are not as in control as we had believed we were. Sure. We look at how far we've removed ourselves from stress, especially as a first world nation. Yeah. Do you believe that the stress that is being felt, the rush on the grocery store for toilet paper and water, which makes no sense. Do you believe that some of that is delved in the fact that the majority of the population legitimately has never encountered a real stressor in their life where they are actually out of control from the, from the, the mechanism working in their direction? Because most of the time, we you had mentioned at the very beginning, most stress is where we have the most and the least control. Yeah. The difference about this stress is you really don't have control of this until we actually have control of it, right? Yeah. And we're not quite there yet. And and we're watching these people do things that they would never do on a normal circuit. They didn't do it a week ago, and the story was out there a week ago, yeah. right? And now the the way that they've responded, this this panic that's occurring, not not preparation necessarily, but it's panic at this point. 
how much of that do you think is a tied into the fact that we avoid stress? I have like a bomb loaded. So before I drop so mine, <laughs> I, I have the same thing. Go ahead, dude. So like social media told you to write you up is just like the cause of so much stress, right? Like I, I, I at least I see mm-hmm. it as such, like people can say whatever they want. Right. And then people take what someone says as complete truth instead of just looking at it from a rational viewpoint. Right. And then here we are, everybody, I mean, to a certain extent has exploded because of the amount of exposure that you have to key pertinent relevant right. information. Right. But you know, what kind of lens are you looking at it through too? You know, mm-hmm. that's just, that's just what came through my head. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I definitely think that's a big part of it. I mean, I think that, you know, it, the, uh, the, the attention, the story, the news, it, it's what drives so many things. Like there's that special on Netflix. Don't F with cats. Right. And the, the kid was, fueled. I have not seen that, but I've heard about yeah, it. Yeah. The kid was fueled by the fact that he was getting all this attention. Um, and he ends up like eating somebody later on. Got it. Um, but but so where I go when you started to talk about that it, it, it is this. So there was a book written in the last year called The Coddling of the American Mind. Mm-hmm. And that was written as the result of an article that was written for The Atlantic. And I don't want to get into the whole story, but the premise of the book is basically this idea that we have created a society that 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 does not know how to deal. They don't have the tools right. in order right. to deal with heightened <clears throat> levels of stress, challenge, conflict. And so that's why the immediate accusation to we differ in opinion is you hate me right. and you say that I'm not I'm worth nothing or in the sense of this pandemic that's going on right now like again like we don't even know how to deal with it. And so I think one of the things and and, and there's a lot of other challenges that are coming into play but like I I think that we we need to come from a place of like it's okay to be afraid. Totally. Right. And I think that that that's gone. Right. It's either you can't don't fear. Don't fear. You fear you, you give it. You've given right. in. Right. So, like, I think that's a problem. I think that we run. We are we are just at an absolute train wreck in listening to what's being told to us for better or for worse. So, um, uh, you know, I have no horse in the political race and yet our current president stands up. And over the course of the last few days, he's addressed the nation a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Clearly, there was times he could have done a much better job. There was other times he articulated pretty well. And and yet, one group of people blast him for every word. The other group of people is like high on his horse and like, you know, on his back, you know, excited for him the whole time. The best speech. Yeah. And so like we we no longer know how to deal with challenge. Right. Right. We don't. You know, kids, gosh, I, I actually took a ration for this one. So like kids and participation trophies, right? Like we don't we oh, don't fear failure. I love this topic. But here's what's hard <laughs> about this. So I'm I'm actually gonna give you guys a story and, and I actually and I didn't know how to respond. So my kids listen to me all the time talk about the fact I hate participation trophies, right? Like it's a joke, blah, 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 whatever. So my youngest daughter, Chloe, she's ten. She goes to her swim banquet. She does club swim, mm-hmm. and she um, she goes up and she gets her like award for the year for you know being a part of you know the swim club or whatever. Yeah. And uh, then a little bit later, one of her friends, uh, her really really good friends, goes up and gets an achievement award, like for like you know stand out for something. And so uh, we're leaving and I just took Chloe home in the car with me by myself. And I'm like, babe, are you excited? Like, you know, it was a really cool little award. She goes, no, 
I'm like, what? She goes, it's just a participation trophy. It's like so lame. And so it backfired on me right. in the sense that like, no, 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 no. Like, that's not what I'm trying to say here. Right. Right. And, but because of the narrative by which I am communicating to my family and people around me that my kids are picking up on, I've absolutely trashed this idea of like, you know, working hard and being recognized for hard work, even if you don't win. So I think that there's even some balance there, totally. right? It's never black and white. Yeah, because that's that's the basis of a growth mindset, like right. how to develop and raise kids with a growth mindset. It's yeah. like you shouldn't only reward results, but you should also reward effort. But right. At, to what extent right. are you going to reward it's that so effort? Hard. Yeah, and there's a lot of gray area there for sure because like – yeah, you know what? It might have not looked like they worked hard, but maybe that was all the effort that they could give, like from their stimulation of whatever they're doing. Like they just weren't that into it, but maybe they gave a relatively good effort. But then there's also the opposite end where, you know, like then you got to figure out where their effort was mm-hmm. not the right type of effort. Yeah, you know, and I think that's that's where you're saying like the gray area is for yeah, sure. Yeah, for correct. So so it was just like a a, a personal, um, like. It made me realize that I need to stop bashing participation trophies mm. and start bashing lack of admittance of failure. Right. Yeah. And and I and that's what I was trying to communicate the whole time. I've been trashing it because I do think that in general that is what we're saying is right. like don't just give everybody a trophy even if they suck. But that's not really what I was trying to say. It's, it's just it's yeah. what happened to have been said. So again, like it's back to like dealing with all the stressful stuff. We need to do a better job of truly communicating right. what's right, what's wrong, where we're right. trying to go, how we're dealing with these things. Um, we need to leave a lot of gray. The world is just not as black and white as I would like it to be. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. That's what makes everything scary. That's what makes everything stressful is that it's, yeah. it's not. It's not con- – no matter how much control you think you're in, you're never in control. Dude, you're in control of like – very minimal in your life yeah and i mean and it's crazy like i i go to the degree that like the only things and i've heard a lot of other people say this so this is not like my thing the only thing i believe we control i believe we control two things i believe that we control the effort we put forth Mm -hmm. in our action or in Mm -hmm. our in what Mm -hmm. we communicate right so agreed that's our control going out and then our reaction to to the thing around the things around us i think outside of that we don't even control whether our heart beats or not. We yeah. don't control whether yeah. our mind works or not. It's crazy, right? It, that, it, when you think about it, it's absolutely true. And it is a very crazy concept. It is. You can only control that you work out yep. and that you take care of yourself by the food that you put in you. But literally beyond that, you could do everything right. And yeah. guess what? Your day might come a lot earlier than you think. Yep. And you did everything that you could. Which Your actions the, aligned with it. Which but. then goes back to like the very, very beginning, right? So then it's like, so, okay, so do I understand what, I, what I'm most passionate about, what I value? And so then what I value is typically a reflection of my own value, right? right? And so that nobody can take away from me. And I think that's important too, because whether it's accusing people of wrongdoing, whether it's people that are total a-holes in this world, whether it's watching people's reaction to the things they do, interacting with people in the gym. Like if we help people to assign value to themselves, like their own worth, not outcomes, not yep. those types of things. Intrinsically. Yeah. It, then then again, then it's like, then I will be vulnerable because, because no matter how bad you talk about me, 
it doesn't take away it's from here. my value as a human yeah. being. Yeah. Right? That that stuff's not going to falter. Yeah. 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 There's just like so much that's all tied in, which is what I love. Like we've been talking about so many things, but they all tie back to these like kind of basic core ideas. Yeah. Like, I was thinking the same thing literally 30 seconds ago. Like it just how we keep on saying these same keywords of vulnerability, right. you know, self-awareness, self-evaluation, social awareness, like just these kind of like key like hit words. But it it's just true like they they're principles that have withstood the test of time yeah. and you're, you're not going to argue against that right there. and i think it's extremely important to talk about it in a roundabout way and i think the reason and not necessarily this podcast but the, i think the reason podcasts have done well is because they're communicating the same thing in multiple ways and so if you didn't resonate with the way one thing was said you may have connected with something else that was said along the lines and when it's a generally open conversation allowing people to change the way they say something, to give different examples, to articulate things different ways. I think people can latch on to different parts of that. Yeah. And that's why people, that's why if it's an hour long podcast, you don't have an issue listening to an hour long podcast. That's why when you're watching the news, you can't connect anything and it has to be 24 seconds or 30 seconds long for you to stay in the story and then disappear Yeah. because it, there's no way to attach yourself to it. So I think that this conversation specifically, and as you guys hit on the fact that, you know, we keep circling around the same ideas but the important part is that we explained it in a numerous varying uh, different examples to give people something different to latch on to they, that they may not have had as a tool for them to then approach stress or look at stress or self-examine the way that they handle things. Um, and I, that, that to me is the most powerful thing out of this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, again, you know, just full transparency, like as I think about, I thought about this, I don't know, 45 minutes ago and forgot for a bit, but um, you know, you asked me early on like how I deal with stress, right? And like trying to figure out like how I control the circumstance. So like one thing that I think about that's really relevant for me is, so I just, I had my first business event canceled mm -hmm. on Monday as a result of like them not wanting large events to be inside the right. building. So it's like one thing, it's not that big of a deal. But then I start to think like, man, like what happens if like my clients cancel weeks mm -hmm. and like have a big event coming up in June and what if that gets canceled and what, so then it starts to like put Snowball. this pressure Snowball, on me. Yeah. And so what I immediately go to, and I, this happened earlier today, yesterday when I, when I got word of this first cancellation is I immediately go back to, okay, what really matters? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, yes, I need to provide for my family, but I can love them even if I can't financially provide for them. Right. Like I right. can be there for them, even if I can't get work. And eventually, first of all, we're all in this together. So like, it's not just me as an outlier, right. but then too, like, um, it's going to work itself out. We're going to find a way to, this we, too shall pass. Yeah. We fought through things before we're going to fight through this as well. So again, it comes back to when I think about dealing with stress, first of all, my immediate trigger, even though I've been doing a lot of self-awareness and preparedness, my immediate trigger was, uh-oh, what is going to happen? Right? right? There was this question of like, right. Yes. And then I went to, okay, wait a minute. Like, let's get some sanity around this before like the wheels come Narrow off the bus. Yeah. Yeah. So that was super helpful. Take that one step. I, I think the the key takeaway is like, it's an, it's okay for you to ask that question, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. You have to have the awareness of what could happen. Mm -hmm. yeah. But the thing that I took away from that and something that has always helped me too is like when it gets to that time, I recognize it just recognize that it's happening and that I'm feeling this way. And yep. then now understanding that I'm making myself think of something that hasn't even happened yet. Mm -hmm. You know, like the fact that I'm worried about something that is in the future that has not happened yet. 
and my mind was just taken away from where I'm at right now. Yeah. Right. And and that in and of itself, again, back to the stress and causes enough, but that's how you can cope with it. It's okay to ask those questions. It's yes. okay to feel that way and understand that you're not a bad person because totally. of that. You just need to be aware of it, acknowledge it. Okay, let me come back to like where I'm at right now and focus on what's right in front of me. Like you said, the, you know, that you could still love your family and provide for them in a way that even though the mo- the monetary aspect might be stressed, there's many more important things that base your relationship with them on. Yeah. So, um, um, again, like this is. This is descriptive of me only. I, I, I've tried to start qualifying certain things I say with stuff like this. Like, this is descriptive of me only. This is not prescriptive of anybody else. But um, so something that's given me personally a lot of freedom in this, um, when you talk about, like, it's okay to be afraid or, like, you're going to be stressed out. So there's this very interesting story in the Bible where this man has this son, and he's really, really sick. And there's uh, – it seems to be that he has faith in Jesus previous to this happening. He actually goes to Jesus and he asks for his son to be healed. But his statement that he makes is, I believe, help my unbelief. Mm-hmm. And it's so fascinating because like for, for, for the Christian community, like that's a very, very like no, no kind of statement to make for most people. Cause it's like, how dare you say that? Like you don't believe you need help in believing. Yeah. Right. And so for me, it's freeing because here I am in this in this book that you know or the words that are in this book that I trust so deeply and I read the story and I'm like oh man it's okay to doubt to fear to struggle to hurt to be scared to be afraid like it's okay like no I don't want to live in that environment and I think that it's unhelpful it's uh it's bad like it's the wrong thing to live in this constant like cycle of fear and anxiety and stress, right? Obviously sometimes we can't even control that, but, um, but it's okay to feel that way. And I think that people need the permission even to that, because when you start to, again, going back to vulnerability, when I start to bear my fears and my struggles, I'm looked at as weak. Right. And it's like, dude, that's not the case. As a matter of fact, like if we all band together in the midst of like, Hey, like we're weak. But together we can get through yep. this, mm-hmm. right? We can step through this. Together we're stronger. Like there's just so many things that benefit from us being willing to say, I don't have my shit together. Right. And it's okay. Yep. I don't want to be like that. Like I want to work on getting better at it. Right. But it's okay. Right. You have permission, right? I just think it's so helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. I was going to say, I think that, that pretty well like – cap ends you know this whole entire conversation i did yeah. want to finish on one thing and i i think this is just kind of a lighthearted way to to finish it off but i want the to bachelor. know what what your most ridiculous fear is like just the one thing that for whatever reason that's just stuck with you i had a conversation at my house last night about this fear of an earthquake and then a tsunami so it just kind of stuck in my mind and i think it's a really funny conversation but just a quick little snippet of what your most ridiculous fear is that you currently deal with for whatever reason, it could be spider or whatever it might be. But. I would not hold a, a ribbon snake if my life depended on a, a ribbon <laughs> snake. Like a snake. Like just specific snakes. Uh, oh, okay. No, snakes. <laughs> just any snake in general. Literally, I, I, it makes me want to like crawl in a hole and die. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty you know afraid yours? of that. No, I'm, I'm trying do you to need think, a moment? to be honest. Yeah, I do uh, need Mine a is clowns. I, I don't want – like I've seen the, the movie It – and I saw that post, but I had the fear before seeing the movie. But like after that movie, I don't want to be near a clown. I don't want to see anybody in face makeup. Like I even, I, 
Kat thinks that part of part of my fear, like my distaste for like a ton of makeup on on girls, is comes from this fear of clowns. <laughs> but like, it's just such a bizarre. Like I I never really went to us, so I don't know where it came from. Yeah. But there's something about that. It just did. I don't want to be anywhere near it. I get it. I have a friend that same thing. She she'll literally fall on the floor. It's so strange. Really? Man, I'm I'm having a tough time thinking. He's but so I, brave. Um, I I think just. I'll just kind of put it as like my biggest fear is like death, like anything related Impending with it. Impending doom. Yeah, it's just like I don't know. You, you can think down a rabbit hole thinking about that, oh, but yeah. not to open up a serious topic. But like <laughs> that's just the first thing that came to my mind when you yeah. asked that question. I'm also Her- afraid of heights. Yeah, I don't like heights. Either. Okay, so that that's something where like sometimes I am, but sometimes I'm not. Do you get I like, like the, found to be consistent? Woo, woo, yeah. Like your tunnel no, vision? So, oh, I get God. this really weird feeling, and I don't know where it came from because I didn't used to be this way. Like I bungee jumped in the past. Like I would have skydived years. I mean, I still may, um, but it's so bad that like uh, ladders get kind of gnarly for me getting up to the uh, top. Okay. But when we're in a hotel, if we have an external view, mm-hmm. and if I'm out on the balcony. I get this sick to my stomach feeling, thinking that I'm gonna jump over. Not like the, I'm gonna jump over, right, right. but just if I jumped over, what it I would feel, feel like. Oh, and yeah. for this moment, it feels, feels like, like I'm gonna do it. Yeah. And dude, I, it, it freaks me out. And so there's a lot of times when I have, I'll have to go back inside. Really? Yeah, it's so weird. I also don't like confined spaces. Oh, I, I'd have to say, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would have to say actually, if, if I were to say like one of those things, like it'll be the most random time, like they'll be like, yeah, you're in an elevator, but nobody's in there, and then it's like, yeah, all of a sudden it's like, dude, I'm in such a like a small space, and it just randomly like <laughs> creeps up on so you. So if you want to scare everybody, you're gonna put a ribbon snake with a clown inside an elevator that's up really high. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what <laughs> this is dealt to, yeah, and then open right. the door. <laughs> exactly. So I think that was a great place to wrap it up. I, I'm glad that we kind of ended it on that. One oh. more question, actually, I've been thinking about it since the middle of the podcast, and yes. not telling myself yes. to forget it. Is not to no, you're good. Another question to finish it out, but you brought up high performers and getting the ball when the when the game's on the line whatever sport you want to think about who's the one athlete that you're like whether it's football baseball basketball like it's just the end of the game it's crunch time who who are you putting in the game and giving them the ball in their hands for lack of better words any any generation any sport doesn't matter glad you held up for that yeah i've been thinking about it reminding myself i might think about this more than my fear any gener any generation yeah any sport whatever it could be a guy up to bat in the bottom of the ninth with the world series on the line last shot fourth quarter nba finals super bowl like what you can even talk about the masters anything like that so probably i'm gonna i'm gonna cheat and i'm gonna say two okay go ahead um so kobe okay it, it, it was the first person that actually came to mind um, just because the consistency by which he did that yeah. was pretty phenomenal. Um, but I think my top one would have to be Tiger Woods because that's a good choice. Watching his come behind victories, um, in in clutch situations, only because there's something about the mental headspace required to continue to consistently hit a, like that ball like that. For anything from a, a really long shot down to like mm-hmm. putting from you know 30 feet away i just think that there's a pressure there but stillness is the key ryan holiday like he has to still his mind in such a way that i don't i don't know that there's anybody that can that can withstand that kind of pressure he, he's know. a great one and the thing to add to that is coming back from his back surgery yes. and what was it last year or whatever yeah. and he won the masters and like got these tournaments whereas like old tiger is back yeah 
like you're a cold-hearted bastard if you didn't cry when he dude, when he won that tournament. That that was like <laughs> that was a sports moment. Like that's oh. a generational sports yep. moment, and I think that's the the most like that that's the epitome of why he would need to be chosen. I think, but yeah. all the all his streak of whatever 15 plus years oh, that he God. was dominating, unreal. And he was so young when you think yep, about it too. I yep. know local that, product. Yeah. yeah, local product too. Um, so so for me. I, I'm trying not to be like Martina Navratilova. No, yeah. no I, I was actually, I'm going to go a little, that might be something different than what most people would expect from me. Uh, I, I would actually say Derek Jeter. Okay. And He's I a say great this, one as well. I yeah. say this spe- for a specific reason. If you look at Derek Jeter statistically, he's nothing flashy. His yeah, stats, right. his stats are actually underperforming for things that you would qualify for the Hall of Fame. Yeah. But what made Derek Jeter Mr. Yankee, what made him Mr. Baseball for the time that he was, was the fact that any time you needed some something random to happen on the field to change the odds in your favor, Derek Jeter showed up. He that was there, that yeah. backhanded okay. flip to home plate, yeah, something yeah, yeah. that lives lives forever. Yeah. Iconic moment, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And okay, so you want to hear? You want to know what's so crazy? Like I know you said last question, but like no, this go just ahead. happens. Okay, here, here's what's so fascinating, and I love the fact that you said like he was nothing flashy because when I thought about clutch, like what I always think about hometown mm-hmm. was uh, the Angels 2002 World Series. I know where you're going, I right? Think. It's not ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, like, right. The the pitching staff, the the players that showed up, nobody knows who any of those guys are anymore. David Eckstein was the most clutch guy on that team. The guy hit like four grand slams that year. And who was right. the, who was the guy that was playing right field for them at the time? I can't remember. Well, Garrett Anderson, Tim Salmon. Tim Salmon, Tim Salmon was oh, the right maybe fielder. It was, maybe it was Tim Salmon. But there was somebody else. Orlando Palmer. Scott Spezio. Was there yes, who Spezio. That's yeah. right. Right? Like, where did he even go? Mm-hmm. He, he uh, freaking well, plays he in a band at bars. He also got like, arrested that's what in jail he, time for coke. But Okay. So <laughs> nonetheless, he was still clutch in the 2002 yeah. Okay, so just World think about it. He was. Right? Him and Adam Kennedy. All those guys. Not ability. It was the mindset. Yeah. Like, Tiger. As, as good as he was physically, there's guys that are better physically at golf than right. he is. Right. It was his mind, like which goes all through our whole conversation today. Yep. Like you have this ability, you have this opportunity to, I don't want to use the word control, but you have this ability Effect. to work so much on your mind to, 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 to hold it and to do well with it if right. you continue to work on it right it's that powerful. that's what trumps everything like you you live in this mindset and you work on it you spend time on it your own personal just you yep. in your own head dude i mean you can kill it like i'm not one about like throwing stuff out there and it comes back to you but like you want to go kill it in the world just work on your mind yeah like the more yeah. you grow the more you can do you want to throw up crazy amounts of weight work on your mind it'll get you there you Agreed. want to become a better athlete, mind, parent, child, whatever. Like there's so much you can do when you work on that. Totally yeah. agreed. Yeah, I, I'm 100% on board with that. I think that's another good podcast. Like the the uh, down the road, we don't have to yeah. do it today. Oh, yeah, we're gonna shoot. Going. Yeah, of like <laughs> so another question of yeah. genetic, <laughs> like being genetically gifted. Yeah. Versus yeah. like having to put the work in, right? So just yeah. note that for next nope, time at absolutely. least. Absolutely. But well, I, yeah, I, I think. Dude, mine, hands down, Michael Jordan's number yeah. one. Like, he's just – true. I, I love the 90, 90s Bulls, like when they had the two three-peats and yeah. Phil Jackson. I've read a lot of books that he had, yeah. like, players read. So, like, I don't know, MJ's number one. But didn't cross my mind. But after you said Derek Jeter, he's definitely, like, a close second. Yeah. Just for me, being baseball, like, mm-hmm. completely surrounded by baseball growing up, like, 
he was just one of those guys that I didn't appreciate until after his career was over with mm-hmm. how much he like brought to the yeah. table. And like you said, not just being flashy with the stats, but MJ just for showed sure. up. Yeah. Both flu, of those guys flu game just plays in my mind all the time. Crazy. Like that's mental capacity to get through that is yep. unreal. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. That's a, I think that's a good place to yeah, wrap it I up. I think that's another end of a podcast there guys. So hopefully awesome. you, uh, you enjoyed listening to us ramble on to you know multiple different subjects multiple different questions and thank you ryan for spending some time with us to thank you to enjoy these uh these questions that we have to explore absolutely super Thanks, awesome ryan. thank you guys. guys see you later Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Excellence Mindset with Ryan James Miller. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe. And for more great content and to stay up to date, visit ryanjamesmiller.com. We'll catch you next time.